Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 168. It's January 25th, 2016. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. While the market continues to be extremely volatile and it's struggling to recover from the correction mode that it's currently in, the market in 2016 is much different than what it was in 2015, or at least definitely for the first half of 2015. Prior to that, and really going back all the way to at least middle of the way through 2012, we saw investors coming in and buying every dip. Every time the price would drop down maybe 5 or 6%, investors would come in, they'd take that as an opportunity to buy in at lower prices, and then they'd ride that up, and for that two-and-a-half to three-year period of time, the market was constantly making new highs. Well, we saw that pattern go away in July of 2015. That's when the personality of the market started to change, and it looks like the market's been rolling over ever since. We're having lower highs and lower lows. I've even continued to be cautious of investing directly in U.S. Treasuries only because I've been concerned, and this was primarily a concern I had in 2015, that if interest rates would continue to rise, then that would most likely result in a loss of principal if you're in some type of a bond ETF, even if it's a U.S. Treasury bond ETF. Well, if you remember just a few episodes back, I, I talked about there's no safe place to hide. I still feel that way. I'm pretty much have my entire portfolio in cash other than, you know, small positions I have, things like Walmart. Although I am starting to ease up on my stance on investing in bonds and in particular in investing in U.S. Treasury-backed bonds or ETFs. Because at this point, the way the global economy is going, where we are definitely in some type of a global slowdown, if not a global recession, and even in the U.S., whether this is a recession or whether it's a, just a decrease in the earnings rate of corporate America, in any case, it's very hard for me to believe that the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates four more times in 2016 like they've laid out. Now, as I said before, you don't fight the Fed, and because they're an arbitrary organization, they can do whatever they want. So I've chosen to be very cautious at this point and not invest in treasuries or other types of bonds simply because I am concerned if they do raise interest rates, that would have a negative effect on the principal in these exchange-traded bond funds. The Federal Reserve has another open markets uh, committee meeting this week. We know that there's, you know, not a snowball's chance in Miami that they're going to raise interest rates. But we'll, what will be interesting to see will be their forward guidance as to whether they are going to hold to that four increase raises through 2016. I assume they're going to walk some of that back. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, after that meeting, it's likely that rates and bond yields could move further lower, which would raise the value of bond funds. And again, I'll, at that point, I'll have to reassess and determine whether or not I want to get into them. My concern there, and this is a concern that I've had for 18 months now, has been that these bond funds are at near all-time highs. And we're at the very long end of a 30 to a 35-year decrease in overall interest rates in the United States. So at some point, there has to be some type of at least a regression to the mean or some type of rationality around the yield of the 10-year Treasury. Right now, it's barely sitting at 2%. And I think based on common accepted economic models, it should be at at least 4%. So it's about 100% off of reality. Now remember, the old expression on Wall Street, the markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. 
So again, I'm not going to fight the Fed. I'm not going to argue with the Fed. But I really think we're between a rock and a hard place when it comes to looking for safe, secure, worthwhile yield, particularly when you're trying to get it from a government bond. From a fundamental standpoint, interest rates should be higher. But at the same time, as poor as economic prospects look, it wouldn't surprise me at all that they'll go lower or, you know, through other, some type of other form of quantitative easing or negative interest rates, treasury yields could go further lower. So we'll just have to wait and see. Again, I don't think there's a safe place to hide right now in this market. I'm remaining primarily in cash. And what I want to talk to you about today is comparing our current market conditions now with the flash crash that we saw in August of 2015. And in doing so, I want to explain to you why I'm not optimistic that this market is going to have a, a strong rally and go on to make new highs, not at least in the near term. I think we have a bumpy and a rocky first quarter, if not through the whole first half of 2016 or you know maybe even into third quarter of 2016 before, before this all gets worked out. We did see a nice rise last week. I think it was Thursday and Friday of last week. The market went up in conjunction with a major increase in the price of oil. Earlier last week, oil was trading at around $28, and then it ended up the week at $32 a barrel. So it, it oil jumped significantly last week. Some of that had to do with concerns of a snowstorm hitting the East Coast. Um, if you jumped in and tried to make a long-term purchase on that, I think that would be a fool's errand because obviously any type of short-term blip that's going to hit the market because of a snowstorm is not going to counteract the fact that the oil supply and demand ratio is just so far out of whack right now. I don't think that the increase in oil necessarily made the general market go up last week other than to the extent the companies naturally tied to oil like ExxonMobil or Chevron, Halliburton, companies like that, their stocks would naturally go up as oil went up. So to that degree, I think that did help primarily the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500. But I really think the driver to last week's attempted recovery was the fact that Mario Draghi, he's the president of the European Central Bank, he pretty much came out last Thursday and said that he was going to do whatever it would take by using quantitative easing or lower interest rates or whatever he could to stimulate the European economy. So I think that was the primary thrust behind the jump in the stock market last week. I also think that although this didn't get a lot of press, China had a major stimulus uh, operation last week as well. And what they did is they're getting ready to go into their Chinese New Year, which will kick in here around the first week of February. They started adding more liquidity to their economy. Well, what's unusual about this Chinese New Year is that the Chinese government is not only adding some stimulus, but they're adding well over a billion yuan. It might even have been something like a billion and a half. So that, combined with the word from the European Central Bank that they would do whatever it would take, I think that was really the stimulus that made the markets bounce last week. But, you know, not unlike the phony baloney stimulus maybe to the oil markets that occurred because the east coast of the U.S. was getting hit by a snowstorm, I think investors saw through that as well. I think the market is getting very apprehensive and is no longer believing that the Federal Reserve or these central banks can come in and just stimulate the economy simply by spending more money or by lowering interest rates. So we're definitely seeing a diminishing return on what quantitative easing does and then skepticism from the stock market and Wall Street and from investors. So when you combine all that, I mean, you know, what did you see last week? You saw oil go from around $28 up to like 32 and today it's back down to under 30 
So it's a very dangerous market. The market is just as likely to go up 6 or 7% one day as to go down. If you're not very sophisticated, if you're not involved in high-frequency trading, it's hard for me to believe that you're going to be able to make any kind of money in that market, even if you're an experienced day trader. Now, what I want to focus on is the S&P 500, but this relates to the general indexes overall. Let's look at what the S&P 500 is doing now versus what happened during the flash crash. So let's go back to the flash crash that occurred August 24th and 25th, 2015. Over a period of only about four or five trading sessions, you saw the market from peak to trough go down about 11%. That's why we call it a flash crash because it happened very abruptly. And then in particular why it was a flash crash was because the first 20 minutes or so on the morning of August 24th, there was a great deal of panic selling. This was pretty much spurred on by inexperienced investors using stop losses without any type of limit to their order. And so in the first 20 minutes or so of the market, we saw prices plunge as these weaker, uh, less experienced investors got shaken out. And then immediately following that, people on Wall Street looking for an opportunity came in and bought those stocks at a higher price. Now, the big effect of that took place just over that 20-minute period on the morning of the 24th of August, but we also saw some carryover selling, although not to the same extent in terms of volume, but definitely to the same extent in terms of price. That occurred the next day on August 25th, and then it was back to that same old pattern where people started buying on the dips, and over a period of two or three days, the market went up about 4 or 5%. Uh, it staggered around and fooled around for a couple weeks, almost three weeks, and then it fell apart again. And although it didn't go down to the same levels that it hit in August, it did just drop down quite significantly. And it was a few more days before that market picked up and we went on to hit some November highs. Well, people are expecting that same kind of pattern to happen in the correction that we're currently experiencing and I've been arguing that I don't think that that's going to happen. I, I didn't think that the highs would hold in November, and they didn't. And right now, I don't even think we're going to get back to those highs because I think any relief rally will be short-lived. And this is primarily due to the fact that earnings, corporate earnings, continue to decrease. A year ago, they were projecting 2015 earnings to be somewhere in the range of $130 per share in the S&P 500. Well, right now it looks like that 2015 is going to end up being about $106 a share. That's a decrease in earnings of over 18%. That's significant. And with that as a headwind, it's hard for me to believe that this market can go on from here and to make new highs without some type of uh, further correction or resetting of the basis. Now, incidentally, I've written about this and about the flash crash and the improper use of stop-loss orders all over at investablewealth.com. Go check that out. You can see my blog there under observations and commentary. So as far as this market we're in right now, you're hearing people say, well, that the U.S. isn't going to go into a recession, that it's strong, and primarily they're focusing on the unemployment rate and the fact that corporations are still earning, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 5% earnings. Well, think back in history, think back to the year 2007, which was just prior to the great bursting of the housing bubble, the great recession that we went through. And if you'll think, you know, towards the end of uh, 2007, the beginning of 2008, corporate profits were still pretty strong and unemployment was only at about 5%. So the same argument that they're making now could have been made just before the collapse of the market during the Great Recession. 
Now, I'm not drawing specific analogies there. I'm just telling you that when you're hearing these talking heads saying that there's no chance of a recession because the employment numbers are so good, just take the time to pause and think about it. And I'll tell you, in my experience and in my studying of history and in what I know about business cycles, I would tell you that the unemployment rate is a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator. The unemployment rate is always one of the last things to fall apart. That's how you know you're in a recession is because unemployment spikes. So by the time we start seeing a lot of unemployment or poor job numbers, if that in, if that in fact does occur, we're already going to be in the recession. The thing that you need to focus on is corporate earnings and how they're not necessarily projected to get any better. I say not necessarily because they are still projecting about an 18% increase in earnings to occur in 2016. They're basically saying that at the end of this year, corporate S&P 500 earnings are going to be like $125 a share. That's the latest number I've seen. Well, I'm not seeing any backup to that other than the fact that they're saying the economy will pick up in the second half of this year which is the same thing that we've heard for the last three years. Remember, it always seems like we get bad, historically unprecedented, cold, you know, Januarys and Februarys, and that reduces the GDP for the first quarter. But don't worry, things will get better in the second half of the year. We've been hearing that for at least three years now. That's similar to the story we're hearing now, and they're telling us, hey, don't worry about it. Earnings will get back to $125 a share. But no supporting evidence of how that's going to happen. So I'm skeptical it'll happen. And while I do think it's likely that earnings could go up, you know, 5 or 6% like they averaged in 2015, I think that's likely for 2016. But that's a far cry from hitting $125 on the S&P 500. And the reason that's so important, because even if you take 2015 earnings and increase them by 5% and then put a normal historical fair value of 16 times earnings on that, you're only going to get to an S&P 500 that's at about 1780 well, today the S&P 500 closed at 1877. So that's a decrease from where, where we are right now of 5%. And that's assuming that the corporate earnings do grow by at least 5% over the period of the next 12 months, which isn't necessarily, you know, a shoe in. So the bottom line here is the way I look at the fundamentals in this market right now, at the current earnings rate that's going back over the past 12 months for the S&P 500, this market could drop another 10%. And at that point, just be at a fair historic value, not a bargain price, not a discount, just a fair historic valuation. That should worry you. That's why I have concerns. And that's why I think that those concerns are being backed up by investors on Wall Street because we're not seeing them rush in and buy the dips like we saw them do over the last two and a half or three years. Because as we look back to 2011 or 2012, the future looked bright and the rate of earnings was increasing. But that's exactly opposite of what we're seeing now. It's not that the future necessarily looks dim, but corporate earnings are definitely and are absolutely declining. That's important and it doesn't look like it's going to change overnight. So as we, again, focus on the S&P 500 and we look at what's different between what happened during the flash crash and what's happening right now, well, remember, during that flash crash, the market lost about 11%, and it occurred over a period of four or five days. Well, in the correction we're in right now, it started pretty much at the end of December, right around December 29th, was the last time this market attempted to break out. That breakout failed, and from peak to trough, the market fell almost 13%. 
And that collapse in prices, unlike what we saw in August, which happened abruptly, which was a flash crash, which a lot of it occurred because inexperienced investors had the wrong stop losses set and so that they were, they were stopped and flushed out of the market. Well, what we saw this time around is that it took about two weeks for the market to deteriorate. It was a slow and a gradual burn. It was a lot of significant volume happening each of those days. And this was just not inexperienced investors getting out. In my opinion, this was experienced investors and and wise people, the smart money on Wall Street, getting out of equities and at the same time not coming in. We saw the absence of them coming in and buying the dips. When we look at secondary indicators, secondary market indicators that help us determine what's going on in the marketplace, they're telling a similar story. If you look at the ratio of puts to calls, which is an indicator of actually how bearish Wall Street really is, I think we actually have lower to go. And I say that because if you go back to the flash crash in August, the put to call ratio peaked to, it was a ratio of something over 1.4, which was the highest number we'd seen, I think, in several years, if not longer. And generally, that's a contrarian indicator. When the put-to-call ratio spikes like that, it usually means that there's exhaustion in the selling and that everybody's full of panic, and generally that shows the market bottom and the the, uh, market rallies from that point. Well, what we've seen over these past couple weeks is that rating is somewhere in the neighborhood of like 1.2, 1.3, which is nowhere near as high as the 1.4 rating that we saw in August. And so the smart money on Wall Street that's seeking protection, they haven't totally freaked out yet. But despite that fact, the market's not going up. And when we're seeing this put-to-call ratio peak in these last couple weeks, normally in the past when that peak would call the bottom of a market and the market would go up from there, well, it's not going up. It continues to go down. That's showing me that although there's a lot of fear and pessimism out there, there's not enough fear and pessimism to get people to go out and buy protection in the form of puts. And again, so consequently, I think that that means that the market could could have farther to drop. Now, the other thing that I don't see correlating or is worse off than what it was back during the flash crash in August, and that's the advanced decline line for the New York Stock Exchange. And what that is, is that's the total measure each day of how many stocks are going up versus how many stocks are going down. Well, back during the flash crash on August 24th and 25th, and then subsequently during that double bottom that we hit in October, that advanced decline line had dropped down to a very low level, which hadn't been breached in a long time. And that hit somewhere around, um, it was like 1700, 1750. Well, during this correction, that advanced decline line has dropped even lower than that, and it continues to follow the general market down. And just like the put-call ratio, which had been acting as a contrarian indicator, when you'd spike down to a really low number, it would indicate that the bottom was in and then the market would rally. Well, again, we're not seeing that with the advanced decline line in the New York Stock Exchange. It's staying very low, and as of yet, it's not indicating that we're at a bottom. The other thing I'll mention again, I'll reiterate because it's important, we're seeing some very poor intraday activity in this market uh, for the, the whole part of this January 2016 because the market keeps opening high and closing lower. So even if the market closes higher today than it did yesterday, it's still closing lower intraday. That's a very negative sign. And since December 30th, 
we've seen about 16 or 17 trading sessions. And of those, we've had about 12 of them where the market has closed lower at the end of the day than when it opened. That's very worrisome to me. And that's why, you know, just last week, going back four trading sessions ago, we saw the market close lower than any of the lows that occurred during August flash crash. And we saw the actual intraday low on the S&P 500 get down to 1812. In addition to that, when I look over at the Russell 2000, the small cap stocks, I see even worse performance now than what we saw during the flash crash in August. In fact, in September, after the flash crash, when the overall market had a double bottom and the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ and the Dow, they all came down low, but they didn't get as low as the flash crash intraday numbers in August. Well, we did see the small cap stocks, the Russell 2000, they made a lower low at the end of September than they did in August. And then consequently, they broke that low around the end of the first week in January. What you're seeing right now, the close on the Russell 2000 as of today, that's a small cap stocks, they are 10% lower today than they were on the close of August 24th during the flash crash. 10% lower. That's significant. The Russell 2000 hit a high around the end of June 2015. And over these seven months or so, we've seen that index drop over 23%. That's a bear market. It's in the small cap stocks, and that's not isolated just to oil and commodity type stocks. That's a very bearish sign. It's very concerning to me. You need to draw your own conclusions. Now, just as a quick review here, what I've said in the past, and this goes back to the flash crash in August, I said at that time that I felt that the market could likely go lower, and I said that even if the market didn't go lower, I felt based on the personality of the market that we'd seen in 2015, where it was range-bound and would see the market pretty much hovering around 2100. You know, we'd go up to maybe 2130 and then down to 2000 and back and forth. And we saw it range-bound for many months through, you know, good part of the first half of 2015. That even if the market didn't go down, I felt that it would be range-bound. And that new level, instead of having a baseline of around 2100, it would have a baseline of 1950. Well, the market did go on to recover pretty well into November. It never got back up to those former highs. It never got back to 2100, but it did come close. It went up to around 2080, but that was very brief. It fell apart, and now I think we're back to that 1950 base level. I don't think that we're going to be in a bear market unless we precipitously fall below 1850 on the S&P 500. That's really the delineation point between a normal, healthy correction versus a more panicky bear market scenario. Again, I've blogged about this and I have the chart over at investablewealth.com. And so right now, looking at where we stand, again, I have no way to predict the future. I don't have a Ouija board. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have a secret algorithm. I just look at the fundamentals and I look at the charts and the trends and I look at the earnings. And what I'm seeing right now is that we are above 1850. So we're out of bear market territory, but we are definitely in a good solid correction. And I think that 1950 could be the baseline for the first half of 2016. And at best, I'm assuming that if we do get a market recovery, it's not going to go much above about 2050 on the S&P 500, which is today where the 200-day moving average is. 
So again, this is just my thoughts, my estimation, and this is how I'm investing, but I'm looking at the upper end of this market over the near term of having a ceiling of around 2050 and then being range bound at the bottom at about 1850 with the baseline or the average, so to speak, of 1950 on the S&P 500. I think it'll oscillate perhaps back and forth between those points at best. At worst, which is what I'm leaning towards, it can't even hold those levels and it breaks lower but below 1850 and we actually go into a bear market. Now, I'm not calling for chicken little. I don't think the world's coming to an end. I don't think the banking system's going to collapse or there's going to be a global economic crisis if that happens. And frankly, if that does happen, I would consider it a buying opportunity. I think if we could see this market get inexpensive or get cheap or, you know, have good quality stocks on sale, which would be somewhere below 1700 or 1600 on the S&P 500, then that would be a fabulous buying opportunity. And I'm sure at that point, the talking heads will be running around claiming that the world's coming to an end and we need the federal government to come in and give a big stimulus and support package and yada, yada, yada. Well, as Warren Buffett says, when the blood's running in the streets, that's the time to buy. Again, as always, I'm not making a prediction. I'm not offering you advice. I'm just talking out loud. This is just my opinion. I like to share my positions with you. The point of the Wellsteading podcast is to try and educate you. And hopefully if I teach you anything, I teach you how to think for yourself. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. I've got some really good episodes coming up. And I look forward to sharing those with you over the next coming days. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.